0: Amen. Hey, today, before we get uh, further in the service, we as a church have been praying and believing that God, um, how many know it takes money to keep this thing running? The building, the power, and obviously personnel, staff, and resourcing ministries, and so we're always praying, God, not just to move on the hearts of, of your people, us, our people, in uh, generosity and tithes and offerings, but Lord, are there other ways creatively that you can um, uh, help Resource and and just fuel uh, the kingdom ministry. And we are super honored and blessed to welcome Iglesia de Cristo Linaje Linaje Escogido. Como se dice chosen in Spanish? All right. Uh, Church of Christ, chosen lineage. Uh, Pastor Jorge and Maddie Chavez, we, uh, I was just immediately blown away by them a few weeks ago when they came to approach us and said, hey, would you ever consider renting out your facility? Um, they carry the heart of Jesus. They love the lost. They want to disciple uh, those who are saved and raise them up to, to reach the city. And so today they're kicking off. So can we, if they, if they see this later on Facebook or YouTube, can we just lift a huge shout and say we love you guys, we honor you. And we have Daniela and Andres up in the booth learning the tech. Wave, everybody. Glad you guys are here. What a... And Robert was out, you know, uh, where's Robert? He he doesn't get enough notice. Give it up for Robert, our our facilities overseer, manager. But brother Robert was out here because it rains and there's funnels and tunnels and water drains, and he saw, we didn't ask him, he saw Pastor Jorge out in his working gear, digging trenches for the water. We didn't ask him to, so that's just the kind of pastor and leader he is, and they're amazing folks, and so you'll be, you'll be seeing them around. They have, a, it'll be a Spanish service uh, uh, at one o'clock, it starts here, and so if you know friends, uh, my heart is that this is not just something that's good for us, although it is. At Cornerstone Church, just for rent and to help with um, just uh, financial, uh, just relieving some pressure. But it's also a huge kingdom win because how many know God wants every man, woman, boy, and girl in this city, no matter what color their skin or language they speak, to know the goodness of Jesus. And so, 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 before I dive into the message, let's just let's just pray over this beautiful church and. And just the the new partnership we're entering into, so let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this kingdom partnership. Thank you that that though we are we're, we're two churches in your eyes, Jesus, there is one church that lifts up the person of Jesus Christ and His kingdom. And so, God, we bless Pastor Jorge and Maddie Chavez. We ask that you would just pour out your Holy Spirit upon them, that their church would just double, triple, quadruple in its reach and impact in the city, in this region. For your sake, God, we ask that you would just draw all people to Jesus in and through your church and its ministry. God, we love you. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. It's just good. It's very, very, very big blessing and And again, if you want to know more details, you can email the office if you're like, wait, we're renting out. Yep, we are. And it's a it's a beautiful thing. And you can find out more about that. Just ask. All in favor, say aye. Aye. All right. Here we go. Uh, Advent. Advent is the beginning. Did you know in the church calendar, Advent is the beginning of the year. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's the beginning of the year, according to the church calendar. Unlike our regular calendars that put Christmas at the end, the church has long, has the long hope for appearing of Israel's Messiah and the world's one true King, Jesus Christ, as its beginning. Advent is that time, and from that place, with the Christ event, his, his birth, his life, his ministry, his death, his resurrection... The church says, No, 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 no. We want to tell time from the inbreaking of the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, Jesus Christ. And so for hundreds, yea, thousands of years, a thousand plus years, the church has celebrated the season of Advent as the beginning of its calendar. The reason I love this is because it puts in our minds and our attitudes and our thinking that everything we do, plan, hope for, and anticipate in the year ahead springs from the foundation of Jesus and his kingdom. That's the wisdom of Advent being the beginning of the church year, the calendar, where everything we do, everything we think is in light of its beginning Jesus Christ the arrival advent simply means the appearing or the, the the arrival or the coming of the king and how many know that advent is a season where we don't just look backwards but we look forward because he who came will come again let me say that again he who came will come again and we know from scripture that the reason he came the first time is was to save sinners How many are thankful for his success in saving sinners? But I want want you to know he will come again, not to bear our sins away, but to bring salvation for those who are waiting for him. And so Advent, we find ourselves located right in between the two Advents, right in that middle space If he has come, he is coming, and here we are. And so, built into the beginning of this church calendar and this Advent season, we, we kind of experience that tension. Anyone ever experienced tension? Maybe you experienced some Thursday around the dinner table. I know I didn't, because I have a perfect family. Well, there was that one time, never mind, forget it. This Advent season with Christ at the center is the time that we bring all of our wrestling, all of the delay, all of the desperate, painful, and even unmet hopes to the table. Advent is God's invitation to us to bring all of that stuff and not bury it, acknowledge it, and place it before Him in the pregnant middle. All of the aches. But God, when are you coming? When are you going to make this right? When is justice going to be what, am I talking to anyone today, in that middle place where you're aching and you're longing, and, but when are, Welcome to the season of Advent. Christ has come. Christ is coming. And here we are. We look back and we look ahead. One of the beautiful things as we look back, we learn so much from Christ's first coming to prepare us so that we're ready for his return. How many want to be ready for the second advent? And what I want us to do this next few weeks is I want us to look at the, the, the various characters. Part of as I prayed for this series was I want to look at the little stories around the big story. How many you know, sometimes when you look at the fringes, you learn more about the center? So over these next few weeks, I want to I look at the community that surrounds the inbreaking of Jesus' first, com- first coming, his advent. I want to look at the wise men. What do they have to teach us? I want to look at the shepherds. I want to look at the angels. I, I want to look at Mary and Joseph and Simeon and Anna and all of these different characters. Just read the first few chapters of every gospel. Those are those characters. So we're going to look at those people that Jesus found himself surrounded by, and then we're going to say, what does that have to say to the shape of our community? Because how many know our community, who's at the center? Jesus Christ. So by looking at those that surrounded the the ministry and the person of Jesus, I believe we're going to learn and be provoked to go on a journey with Jesus. Who's ready to go on that journey with me? Why is community so important? And why was it so important for Jesus? And obviously, why is it so important for us? Community has a way to shape our identity. Have you ever had someone that just believed in you that helped you discover who you were? Say amen. A healthy community sheds light on our purpose. Come on, who has that friend that will bop you upside the head and say, dude, you are off in the trail off in the woods, get back into your purpose. And then ultimately, the kind of community that God wants to establish here with Christ at the center is that we spur each other on to accomplish the mission God has for us together. So to shape our identity, to shed light on our purpose, and to spur us on to accomplish God's mission. And friends, it's very obvious when you look at the person of Jesus, he had all three of these. Like in their purest, best form, did you know that Jesus from eternity past, enjoyed the love of his Father? You don't have a son without a built within Father, Son and Holy Spirit. you see the shaping of identity, certainly the shaping of purpose and mission. The Father loved the Son, He showed him all that he does. He gave him words to say. When he was baptized, he spoke identity, you're my son, purpose, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased, and mission, you're going to the cross, and that's going to please me, my son. We see the Father shedding light and the Holy Spirit, empowering Jesus' ministry. You see, Jesus experienced that kind of vibrant community with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And because Jesus forged a way for us, you and I can experience that kind of community today. A community that gives shape to our identity, sheds light on our purpose, and spurs us on to go all the way with the mission that God has for us. Am I talking to anyone today that ever feels like quitting or forgets who you are or why you exist? exist? We need each other. Jesus had this kind of community with his disciples and with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And so you and I, as we go on this Advent journey, I already said we're going to learn from the wise men, the shepherds, the angels, Mary and Joseph, Simeon and Anna, and these characters that surround Jesus. Today, though, I want to zero in on one of my favorite characters in the Bible, John the Baptist. We'll forgive him for being Baptist. That's a joke. All the Baptists are leaving. Those of you who didn't grow up in the church, are like, what's a Baptist? I don't understand. Uh, John was Jesus's cousin, and, and, and in my opinion, he has some of the most dynamic lessons to shed light on for us today, if we'll look and Listen. John was Jesus' forerunner. He prepared the way for his cousin. He's the one who would prepare Israel to see her king and her Messiah, to follow and prepare to receive his kingdom and follow his leadership. My favorite description of John, unapologetically, is in John 5. John was like a burning and shining lamp. Ah, And my second favorite description of John, Jesus' cousin, even though he didn't perform any miracles, everything he said about Jesus came true. Come on, how many want to be a bright and shining lamp and everything you say and point about Jesus is true? True. This is John, Jesus' cousin. We're going to get into the story and the and, and implications of why all of us need to not only to become a John, but to have a John in our community, someone like him. You'll get it. So, what can John show us in regards to the community with Christ at its center? What can he show us? What can we learn? The main passage we're going to really just camp on over the next few moments is John chapter 3, verse 26 through 30. So if you have your smartphone or your Bible, you can open there and I'll have it at the screen as well. John's gospel says this. So John's disciples came to him and said, Rabbi, The man that you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, is also baptizing people. And everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. John replied No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I'm only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. The bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. This is the word of the Lord. And the first character we're going to look at surrounding Jesus. What can we learn? What do we see here? The first thing I want to say we see here is how easy it would have been for John to get bitter and jealous, even angry because of what his friends told him. I'm just talking to real people today, I think. Jesus, the dude from the other side, his camp is growing, we're shrinking Now, maybe you're not in any leadership capacity, although everyone has leadership capacity. Say amen. Amen. Everyone's leading or influencing someone. It would be easy enough to grow bitter here. John spent his whole life in wilderness preparation, eating a strict diet and living a simple aesthetic lifestyle. A robe with camel's hair. His whole life was preparing for another. John's whole ministry was explosive. There was a revival. People came to him, look at this, from all over Jerusalem and Judea to see and hear John. Now, friends, if you've tasted success and growth and popularity, imagine when you start to see that shrink and be taken and directed towards another. Mm-hmm. And here, John's disciples rub salt on the wound. Look, Rabbi everyone's going to him instead of us does everyone see how easy it would be if you don't know your identity purpose and mission it could be to get derailed right here how many know many of us have gotten derailed right here so we didn't know who we were we forgot our purpose and the mission that God had for us Every single person and leader understands this rub. Oh, that church is going to be planted. Oh, that church is using our Oh, oh, they go there. Oh, there. Let me just tell you, the struggle is real. It's just real. In whatever field or business or type of work you find yourself in, something here applies. But John, the gospel of John, already told us that John knew who he was. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. Jesus walked by. John looked at Jesus and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard it, they followed Jesus. Okay, so John already knew. He'd already been down this road before. It's not about me. It's about him. It's not about my following. It's about those who can get a vision of him and realize there's no one else worth following. John made it clear who he was and already what he was about. He came right out and said it. I am not the Messiah. I'm not the superstar. I'm not the king. I'm not the hero of the story. I baptize with water, but right here in this crowd is someone you don't even recognize. Though his ministry follows mine, I'm not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandal. That's why he's one of my favorite characters in the whole Bible. John, his whole ministry was preparatory with the single focus look at Jesus. I'm not the guy. I'm not the leader. I'm not the king. He is, look at him. John's whole ministry can be described in one sentence Look at the Lamb. Say that with me. Look at the lamb. He is the one I was talking about. A man is coming after me. Look at John says about Jesus. He is far greater than I am. For he existed long before me. I didn't even recognize him as the Messiah, but I've been baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. So far, is anyone impressed by this guy called John? Jesus' cousin, forerunner, pointing, look away, him, 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 not me. Let's go back to John 3, verse 26. We see how easy all of John's remaining disciples threw him a softball to grow offended, to get bitter. Jesus is growing in influence, gaining more disciples. Everybody's going to him instead of us. And here's where I want us to zero in. No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah, the King. I am only here to prepare the way for him. Friends, I want to say there's many points that we've already covered, but these, these two are massive in order for you and I to be a part of a healthy community with Christ at its center, two things are super, super important. Number one: God awareness. Who are you in God? Number two, self-awareness. I know who I am in His sight, and I know who I'm, how I'm meant to function in your sight. John possessed both. I know the mantle God gave me, and I know that in the midst of the company of God's community, I know the exact role I'm supposed to play. John had the insight to realize that there's no use in striving, and so many struggle with this, grasping and grabbing, I want to be this, I want them to know that, I want to... And John just comes right out in the middle of all of it and says, Nope, the only thing you can walk in is that which you receive from God. All of life is a gift. Come on, how many have ever spun the wheels for a moment or a month, a year or a decade trying to become something that God said I didn't actually design you to be? The importance of God awareness and self-awareness cannot be overstated. John was able to acknowledge that the entirety of his life and ministry were a direct result of the gift God had given him. How many believe that God has given you a gift? How many believe God has given you a gift and a a purpose and an identity and a destiny that he's inviting you to discover and to discern and to spread your wings and to, to figure out how that can play a part in God's infinite, incredible purpose? And I love... John's gift was to prepare for Jesus. So here, let me watch how it flips on its head, the narrative. John, this is how I know I'm functioning at the optimum level of the gift God gave me. People are going to Jesus. See, so many ways, and, and, and the way the world works, is if you're really gifted and you're really talented and you're, you're really clicking, that your name will be the one that's known and your influence will reach. And yes, that may be true. People may know you and your influence may broaden and your scope may just expound and explode depending on what, what you're gifting and your ability. But see, John's gifting and him growing and his fulfillment of his purpose was directly correlated that if he was doing his job, his crowds would shrink and Jesus's would grow. When people see him for who he really is, when our crowd shrinks and his grows, this is how I know I'm successful. Oh, does John provoke anyone in this room besides me? It is the bridegroom who marries the bride. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. I'm glad to just stand with him within earshot to hear his vows that he speaks over his people. Look at that. This one line is I want it to be my mantle, my lifeline. I'm filled with joy at his success. Can you imagine if we became a community with Christ at the center, if that was true of us? I'm filled with joy at your success. Come on, how does the world work? If you succeed, i got to find dirt on you to tear you down so I can take your place. Come on. You think if that was functioning within the community that had Christ at its center, it might be kind of compelling. A little bit attractive. A little bit dynamic. A little bit otherworldly. You mean you guys aren't tearing each other down and trying to get positions and roles and getting your name in the lights? You mean you're happy when I succeed? And then when I try and fail, you weep with me? Yeah. John names this is the singular cause of joy in my heart, the success of Jesus. He must become greater. We all, we've heard, many of you have heard this verse. It can be spun out, but we're going to unpack it. He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Why? Because his purpose was to, pre- to pre- prepare and reveal, to point people to Jesus. So if John's becoming less, here's what I said. He's actually becoming great at his gifting and accomplishing his assignment. Amen. So God does not want you to go around going, oh, I just stink and I have no gifts and I, it's all about Jesus. Come on. Here's the easy test for that. Would you want your kids walking around like that, or your grandkids? I want my kids. Listen, this these last pause sermon pause. I had the best three or four days. Phone, phone away, fist gone. I mean, I was on daddy daycare. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying. I love my kids and my family. Anyway, so back to the message. But it's been so rich, just unplugging, and thank you, Lord. So this, this becoming less and less, so many have been like, oh, well, my gifts. See, God, God actually says your gifts do matter. Your talents, abilities, your identity, your purpose, the plan I have for you does matter in light of my great plan. So John's not going, I must become less and less and less my gifts are just not that great, and it's all about Jesus. John knew that if he was fulfilling his purpose, if he was becoming less, this would actually be the indicator that he was on to something great. It's not about you bearing your gift or talent or I just want it to be all about Jesus. No, you stepping into the gift and the grace God has given you is how Jesus Christ can be exalted and seen by those around you. You step into your identity You identify with the help of those around you, like a John, the community that helps you discern your purpose. When you step into that place, you are a prime candidate to, like John, point people to Jesus. He's come from above, and he's greater than anyone else. This is the last verse from John. We are on the earth, and we speak of earthly things, but he came from heaven. He's greater than anyone else. This is the context for becoming less and less. Jesus, whatever it looks like me fulfilling my identity purpose, whatever direction that takes me, you're the greatest. Your glory is the only one worth being magnified and exalted In fact, this is the expression of greatness, the lens through which we're meant to see John's confession. I must become less. He must become greater. So how do we apply this? Number one, just pause in your heart and your mind and say, God, Father, what is that gift or the gifts that you've given me? Right now, who knows some of the gifts? It's not like you can take, you don't need to take an assessment, although you can, and I'll email you. I've got a hundred assessments. But who just knows? Man, I I think these are some of the giftings, God. Raise your hand. Like, don't, it's not, I'm not, well, I am kind of taking stock. and I'm kidding. (laughs) These are my giftings. This is why I live. This is my purpose. This is, raise them nice again. Now, who has ever bought into the lie that your gifting wasn't enough, or that you somehow—it wasn't that great. Who's ever bought into that, that lie? Okay, almost every hand should be back in the in the air because all of us. So simultaneously, I agree that he gave me a gift, but then I don't treasure it as a gift. So that's why it's not enough to just receive that gift. Now God says, "I want you to discern." Everyone say, "Discern." This is huge. Discern the way that gift can point others to Jesus as your primary purpose and mission in life. Every gift? Every gift. How do you know? Because whatever is good, read it on the screen with me. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. Every gift is, every perfect and good gift comes from the Father. John didn't debate with God's choice of gift for his life. Rather, he received it and released it with laser-like focus. And then thus, he fulfilled his assignment and experienced the fullness of joy. Remember that verse where he said, you know, My joy is in Jesus' success. How many have ever tied or anchored their or tethered their joy to something other than Jesus being exalted in your life? How did that work for you? (laughs) My joy is tied to if I get this many likes on Instagram or Facebook, whatever you're on. My joy is tied to if I get... My joy... Listen, if it ain't anchored to Jesus, you are going to be like a wave tossed by the wind. But if it's anchored to Jesus and you receiving the gift, gift, or gifts that he's given you and discerning with the community of Jesus, with him at the center, how does this point others to Jesus and magnify his greatness and glory? When you and I set our hearts to do that, we will experience a joy that doesn't fluctuate like the waves or like the wind. Because it's tethered to a person. I love C.S. Lewis, a person, the the king of the kingdom of heaven. C.S. Lewis, been watching all the Chronicles of Narnia, introducing my kids. It's been awesome. So good. C.S. Lewis said, joy is the serious business of heaven. Turn to your neighbor and say, joy is the serious business of heaven. So here it is in rapid fire. What if you and I could have the same story? What if we could know who we were and who we weren't? Come on, someone say amen. Both are important. What if we could be confident of our identity? What if we could know and discern our purpose? What if we could give ourselves to God's mission together? What if in doing that, our joy would be filled to the brim? What if we went down this path and learned from Jesus' cousin, the forerunner, who pointed all people and prepared for Jesus? What if we could experience a joy that no one could take away? That it didn't fluctuate depending on circumstances because it was attached to a person on a king that's unmovable, a throne that's unmovable. To Jesus, He is my joy. So to summarize, What do we learn from John? And by inference, what do we learn from Jesus? Because all John did was point. Number one, that God, let's read it together, that God is our good Father who gives cheerfully and perfectly. How many today have suffered from a low view of the goodness of God on occasion? So how do I apply this to my life? God, give me, give me eyes to see you as you really are. God help all of the expectations of your goodness to just blow the roof off of my thinking and my mindset. God, according to your word, show me how good you really are God l- Let me stop complaining. I wish I was more like him or them or she or her. I I wish I I wish I wish I put those words on purpose that God gives cheerfully with a smile and he gives perfectly. He doesn't accidentally give you the wrong thing. He didn't get the name wrong on the delivery. Come on, who's ever gotten the wrong thing in your mailbox? That never happens with God. Come on, someone say it. It never happens with God. He gives cheerfully and he gives perfectly. Therefore, who you are is not a mistake or an accident. You have a father who's good and he gives cheerfully and perfectly. How you're wired, your mentality, your mindset. He wants to form and fashion and fill with his goodness and his love and his grace and his purpose. But who you are is not a mistake. And then, in light of that, let's read this we are to receive well did i say it wrong yeah my bad we are to receive who we are and all that we have been given as a gift man the older i get and i'm super old The more, the the further I go, I I tell you, I'm I'm becoming like an old man and I love it. I go on all these walks and just talk to the Lord. But the more, the more, like these last few days where I've just done nothing but be a dad, I realize everything is a gift. Come on, how many want God to just break off the me focus, me mentality? We're going to have repentance for Black Friday later. Don't worry. and your credit card bills and but how 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 many know that if you and I just could could get these first two it would revolutionize our life that everything I have everything I am is a gift i'm not entitled it's not coming to me it's a gift i can't believe he's that good john didn't debate with with God, who gave him the gift and his assignment and purpose, he leaned into it. We can do the same. And then, lastly, read this together. We are to orient our lives around the singular focus to point people to Jesus and magnify his greatness. Now, how many ways can we do that? Lots. That's why it's so fun. Now, John had a specific one. Go out into the wilderness, just outside and off the beaten path, and wear weird clothes and eat locusts and honey and baptize in the muddy, murky waters of the Jordan and be the lamp that shines in the wilderness. But how many infinite ways can you and I bring glory, could point people to Jesus and magnify his greatness? Stay-at-home mom or dad or businessman or woman or school. There are infinite ways to say yes to this, to point people to and magnify his greatness. These are the lessons among many more. We could talk about John and his ministry and how it points for four weeks, but we're not. We're done. But these are the things that my dream in this Advent season, why does this matter for Advent? Because you and I live in the middle. And in the middle, there's a battle for your identity. In the middle, the enemy The liar, the deceiver, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, wants you to not live in the awareness of God's purpose for your life. Between the advents, he has come, he is coming. The enemy wants you to to just start and to be like a beautiful firework, but then he wants you to fizzle and fail and fade in the end and to grow bitter and to lose hope. And here we are right in the middle in John and the lessons we learn from his story in the Gospel of John, we learn that there is another way to live. With the revelation that God is good, that He gives good things, that we're meant to receive, steward, and maximize them for the greatness and glory and magnification of Jesus. There's another way to live. Say that. There's another way to live. These are the lessons. So, as we close, are you aware? Do you have a God awareness? Do you understand that you're loved? That you're wanted, that God doesn't make junk. Do you know that? And then are you self-aware? Have you taken the test? I'm not anti-test. I said that earlier. A personality test, a spiritual gift inventory. I can. I have. I have a list with links. Are you aware? You, are you walking with a measure of self-awareness? This is, these are the things God's given me to steward and maximize. This is, this is my small part, but needed and necessary part to play in God's kingdom. When you know those two things, who you are in him and how he's made you, and it was on purpose, it gives way to this. We're free from control, competition, and comparison. Oh. Because if I don't know who I am in God and then my purpose and his great purposes, then I can't rejoice at your success. Because I'm in competition with you. Come on, I can't celebrate your win because if you win, then that means there's a loser around the corner. Friends, these are the things that if God can just see, seize our hearts as a community, it'll be so life-giving. Glorious. Glorious. Come on, how many came or have experienced a controlling, competitive, comparative, how did that work for you? It's the exact opposite of what Jesus experienced from eternity past. The Father deferring and loving the Son, the Spirit, this beautiful dance, this self-emptying, sacrificial It's about you. It's so funny. The father, whenever he speaks, he says, this is my son. Whenever the son speaks, he's like, look at the father. Whenever the spirit speaks, he only says what Jesus says. So they're all pointing to each other. Free from control, competitive manipulation. It's called love. (laughs) Who wants to step into this kind of environment, this kind of community? God-awareness, self-awareness. And then you'll have the ability to celebrate others' success. What if you and I, like John, and between the Advents, we could? what if it was about not just me arriving, but and we'll get there with the wise men and some others in the next few weeks. When's the last time you prepared someone else to win? If you're a parent, welcome to your job description. <laughs> or if you're an employer or an employee or whatever, I'm not just saying to parents or grandparents or whatever. How many know that's stinking hard work? Can I just be honest for a minute? Preparation is hard, but necessary. And if we do it, and we, what if what if we even viewed preparation as a gift from God? I'll never forget, my grandpa was one of the founding, no, the founding Nazarene missionary in Korea. This was before, I don't know why he didn't take a plane. 50-something, uh, I think there were planes then, sure. Uh, there's planes in it. But, 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 grandpa, it took five weeks by boat from America to Korea, founding missionary. And it's so funny because in our immediate every, I just got an Alexa plug. I can tell my tree to turn on or off. You're welcome. Because <laughs> I'm so late. It's so hard to get up and unplug the plug, friends. It's so hard. But I'm, I'm, I'm weary. I, I have this book that I'm listening to on my, my runs called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it's just convicting me from every angle. But anyway, because he had five weeks, you know what he did? He got to memorize an entire book of the Bible. How many know the preparation is evidence of God's gift as well, if we have that mindset? If he took an airplane, there's no way, unless he's a genius, crazy man, he could have memorized the whole. Do you think that those five weeks and then that book called First John at the end of your Bible that he memorized word for word? Do you think that probably served him over the rest of his 50 year ministry? It was preparation. What if you and I began to say, "Oh, I see the the grace on there. I'm going to make room." Come on, how many know you can make room at your work, at your home, and your neighbor? How many know you can make room for someone? Prepare a way. Amen. The Father's a cheerful giver. All of life is a gift. How will you respond? I'm going to have the ushers come forward and the the, the worship team. We're going to end with uh, communion. Can't wait! So, if those who are serving communion could come, and we're actually doing it different, uh, the the seniors group that the prime timers that Debbie is leading had a brilliant, beautiful idea to, to pass the plate, so you can sit and reflect a little bit more easily today, which is great. John was a bright and shining lamp, and everything he said about Jesus was true. If we're honest, oftentimes in seasons like these, we can grow weary. We're at the end of the other calendar, not the Christian calendar at the beginning, but we're tired, we're, we're, and it's easy for the light to grow dim. Am I talking to anyone today? but I want you to know that God wants to breathe on you today. He wants to speak a word of life and hope and encouragement over your life today. And obviously, the meal that we're going to participate in, and everyone's invited to participate, is the greatest gift ever given. Jesus' life. You see, John knew his purpose. Amen? We just talked about it for 35 minutes, 40 minutes. And John helped make a way for Jesus to accomplish his. And what was Jesus' purpose? I already said it. He came to save sinners, and that was the first advent. Second advent, he's coming to, to, to finish the job, to bring salvation for those waiting for him. Amen. Jesus' body was broken for you and his blood was shed for you so that you could be forgiven and free. And so, Father, as we pass these, the bread and the cup...